It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Lyme disease is one of the fastest growing infectious diseases in the country and one of the most difficult to diagnose. According to today's guest, Dr. Daniel Cameron, the increasing number of cases has led many in the scientific community to deem the disease a public health crisis. He joins us today to discuss the major aspects of Lyme disease. Dr. Cameron is a nationally recognized leader for his expertise in the diagnosis and treatment of Lyme and other tick-borne illnesses. He is the author of the book, Inside Lyme, an expert's guide to the science of Lyme disease. Welcome, Dr. Cameron. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be with Joan. So, Doctor, why do you believe Lyme disease is on the rise? Well, I've been in practice for 37 years in, uh, in New York, where we certainly had plenty of cases, always had cases, even when I started. But uh, there's more and more people where have been outside they're, they're with their pets, they're, they're trying to escape the city, but when you escape the city or some urban areas, they went into more uh, opportunities to come out and be on the grass and pick up a tick. And what are the stages of the disease? Early, uh, early December, which is almost the same as early. And then, you know, various people use late, chronic, persistent, and for everybody else. And so, you know, you'd like to be caught early or early December, but a lot of people don't have that opportunity to have those early signs. So what would be considered early? Is that when you just have the rash or the blood tests are confirmed? Well, it's usually just the rash uh, or it might be a rash with a tick in it, do a, a blood test and catch it. But uh, just having a positive test doesn't mean that's when it starts. Uh, even this, uh, something called the Western blot, IgM, which is a fancy one for early Lyme, it stays around so long that uh, it's you know, still uh, not so early after all. And so, yeah, I always have to use clinical judgment, you know, work with that uh, person I see as to what is their history. I saw someone who had a rash that was diagnosed recently with Lyme, and it, the rash didn't look like anything I would have expected. It. I always heard about this bullseye, but this one was about eight inches wide and about four inches high, and it actually looked more like a cellulitis. But it was that rash and then a positive blood test that the doctor made the diagnosis of, of Lyme. Well, you're, um, you're absolutely right. Uh, only one out of four, maybe even less, have that picture-perfect bullseye. Uh, more often, it's flat red. Uh, more often, it's oval than it is round. So the fact that yours was oval is uh, more common. And because it's flat and red, maybe a little bit thickened, the doctor thinks it's a spider bite or thinks it's a cellulitis, and they treat for cellulitis, but they forget uh, to mention that, by the way, Lyme disease uh, can look like that too. And so there have been a few people who um, who actually gotten messed up because they kept treating for the skin infection, not Lyme. 
So if, let's say, a person has a rash like that and the rash goes away and the person thinks, oh, okay, this was something else and I'm better now, but they never treated the bacteria that, you know, obviously came in through that tick bite, what would happen then down the road? Is that when that person will have problems? Yeah, the infection seems to go away anyway, even if you don't treat. So when the rash goes away, people uh, let down their guard and uh, and then later on, that's when all of these symptoms you hear about. You know, the immune system is busy, they, they are fatigued, they can't concentrate, can't process information, the headaches, the dizziness, all the things that, that you associate with uh, Lyme, you hear about Lyme, uh, the frustrating part of Lyme shows up, you know, and if you don't see that rash or dismiss it, uh, that's when the doctor has the challenge. Of, uh, the patient also has a challenge of letting the doctor know. Right. So if you find the rash and blood work confirms it, how do you know, uh, and, and let's say you do a, a, a course of the doxycycline or, or whatever it is they prescribe, how do you know when you're in the clear? When can you say, okay, this is taken care of, I'm good to go? Well, that's a good question. If you treat at the time of the rash, um, a lot of people get better, and uh, maybe two out of three, which is great. It just one out of three seems to have troubles when you follow them, or they'll be well and then show up a few months later sick. So that's where the, the hot debate is, you know, what to do for the one out of three who has troubles. And so some doctors say, well, no, nope, 21 days is all you get. And I'm in a group of doctors who says, well, I'm going to really lean on the ones that are become chronically ill or late. And, uh, and then uh, I have to treat longer than the standard three to four weeks. Or I might have to look at other infections in a tick, you know, like Babesia. Maybe that's why they're still sick. So it's a, I take that that group and have to come up with a solution. I hate to have them get lost in the system and get called fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue. If you've had Lyme at some point, and let's say you've treated it, is it always something you have to worry about? Is it is it with you for the rest of your life? Well, a lot of people get better. So remember, two out of three, you know, I hate to run stats. Two out of three seem to do pretty well and matter what you do. It's the rest of them... Um, it's, uh, you know, depends on how sick they are, how long they've been sick, but uh, uh, certainly uh, in all of the years I've been in practice, there's plenty of people who are quite sick, been sick for a long time, would do well. Now, they're nervous, you know, will something come back? Uh, will I get bit again? And uh, But uh, it's when you've been sick, pretty sick, you can understand how nerve-wracking it is to not know. I mean, there are some people who stay sick and have a hell of a time, a really rough time trying to wrap it up. But if you get better, it's still nerve-wracking. What are the most common symptoms when you're moving from early stage to a later stage? What, what would a person be experiencing? Well, I often liken it to the immune system as too active. So you get almost like a fight or flight type process so that you're tired uh, but wired. Uh, the brain is not processing information quite as clean, so they call it a fog. There's a, the body has a problem because they're wired so they're not sleeping. Uh, every mood button's turn up to high. So you can say, oh, my anxiety is coming in waves, but so do sadness and irritability. And uh, then they can get kind of lightheaded uh, when they move, get up too quick. Uh, Many people say, I-, I never even saw a tick. How come people don't know they've been bitten? Well, sometimes, uh, you know, people are scratching. Some of them tend to detach for, uh, rather easily, even before they get engorged. Because uh, you see people who are... Uh, find ticks in the house that are partly engorged and they're still alive and they're still, uh, you know, hanging around. 
So let's talk about how Lyme disease would be diagnosed. Let's say you have the perfect situation where the person has a rash and they're presenting with this rash. What tests would you be running? Well, if I see a you know a rash, even without a tick, that hey, that's not you know quite like a bullseye. Not so sure that I do a blood test, and uh, there's something called an ELISA, which is fancy word for titer, which looks uh, for a pattern of proteins that you might have from the, the infection. Uh, and then uh, there's so many other co-infections uh, that there's blood tests for, like anaplasmosis, ehrlichia, uh, Bartonella, Babesia that you can test for. So I do those tests, but if they're still sick or the, the test is taking too long, uh, I'll end up treating uh, based on what they're presenting with, not just the test. Right. So if a patient has a positive IgM test, that would pretty much indicate an active case of Lyme? Yeah, M, the IgM or immune globulin M is the first responder. Then later on, it kind of turns into an IgG pattern. It's just that with Lyme, you can't always count on it going from the M pattern to the G pattern. And if all you get is M, you're still going to have the doctor decide how long you've been sick, how long you want to treat for. And you had mentioned a Western blot test. What is that? Uh, a Western blot is a test where you uh, are looking for proteins that are typically in a in an infection, you know, like the cell wall, you know, cytoplasm, mitochondria, all these kind of proteins that we learn from science class. So they look for those proteins that are kind of unique to Lyme, uh, and so they run it on, on a piece of paper, run it, kind of, and it looks like a bunch of kind of bands or slashes or blobs. Some people call it Western blob test, and so it's sort of a pattern. So if you get enough clues. Uh, like on a G pattern, if you get 5 out of 10, or M, 2 out of 3, you say, aha, it's a highly likely that that is Lyme. Uh, it's just that not everybody gets those bats, and so you're left with, like, well, if they're sick, you have to do a lot of tests for other things. But I don't like toss Lyme out if, if they don't have all the bands they're looking for. When you suspect a case of Lyme and you tell a patient that this is what you believe is happening, what is the normal course of treatment? Well, I, I always... Uh, tend to start with doxycycline. Uh, now, even in kids under eight, because they're worried about doxycycline getting the teeth or bones, is that uh, you can't actually do two weeks according to the CDC without those issues. So if all they got is mine, it seems simple, just doxycycline, if it's more complicated, I might switch to a different pill like amoxicillin or treat for babesia. And so when someone takes a course of antibiotics, we know what it does to all the gut bacteria. Do you usually recommend that someone takes a probiotic or prebiotic along with it? I always recommend uh, the probiotics, um, you know, like maybe 40 billion with a B. Um, prebiotics is commonly done, but I'm not so sure that adds much. But uh, And I also uh, uh, recommend that they um, stay with an alcohol and sugar because that, that, it interferes with the uh, trying to have a good outcome. Because we know how important the immune system is in healing and, and gut health to the immune system is so important. So that's why I was asking about that, that you want to try to keep yourself as healthy as possible. What about taking supplements like C and D? Is it safe to take them alongside an antibiotic? Uh, yeah, it's safe to take those. Um, one of the things you should know is that some of the zinc, magnesium, you know, calcium, those type of minerals stick to doxycycline. Um, so you don't get the absorption that you want. So if you're going to take those kinds of minerals, 
then I recommend taking those separate from duck second, like two hours away. So I take duck second food because it's so hard on the stomach. But I might take the zinc, magnesium, calcium two hours later. I might take them at the same time as probiotics um, so I can keep things uh, simple. And how do you recommend we go about protecting ourselves from these tick bites? Well, I um, find that um, tick check is still quite useful. It's just it's it's not done that often when a, the kid gets a little older because who wants mom to be doing a tick check when you're like 11? It's kind of annoying. And then, and plus they're so busy, they don't get to remember it um, all the time. The second thing is that since so many of them are come around pets, I always tell people at least don't have the uh, pet sleep in the bed uh, and that uh, if they have a... a a couch and the dog sits by the couch as uh, the cat does is at least uh, get a, like a dust back, some kind of vacuum to cut it, it'll suck up any ticks if they happen to be hanging around. And uh, be careful when you go out with them, uh, with the pets, to not pick up ticks. I think the sprays and things like that, and beef keeps mosquitoes away, and, but, and it's recommended, uh, but you know, it's not as reliable as we like. And this pyrethrum, this insecticide you put on skin, it, uh, if it's fresh, it can get uh, some ticks that can get hot feet and fall off. But, uh, but if a tick can make it to your skin in time, boy, it's uh, ready to go. And it's, uh, you can't count on that. Uh, and the last thing I want to mention is that if you're out with, and you think a tick might be on your clothes, or might be, put it in the dryer. They don't like heat. They don't like dry. And uh, knock it around. And that way you don't have to necessarily always wash clothes when you're outside. Have you ever heard of anyone who may have gotten the tick bite, may have gotten Lyme, didn't treat it? Is it possible for our immune system to eradicate this, or does it always have to be treated? Well, that was the original question in the, the 70s, is that would you get sick if you don't get a swollen knee, yeah, if you don't get that type of arthritis, don't get those palsy or rash. And so there was a lot of interest in following people over time. But almost all of them end up being sick or, you know, the vast majority get sick at some point, maybe not when they get the rash. And so that feeling that you naturally can protect yourself, that your body can take care of it, is a, has sort of a, not been a very good strategy. Now, some people get to the two weeks of treatment and then they think they should watch and wait. The doctor says watch and wait. Now, I don't have any problem with that if you feel well. But if you don't feel well, you know, you should at least get your doctor to make sure you have nothing else wrong and make sure to at least aware that uh, maybe treat, retreatment is available. And if you don't really want to retreat as a doctor, then, you know, there are other doctors who might consider. But, uh, you know, it's the hot debate as to whether to treat more than three weeks. If someone goes through the three-week course of treatment or and he, he or she feels well, no symptoms, no side effects, nothing happening in their body. How do they know then that they're in the clear? Will you run another blood test or do you pretty much assume the antibiotic did its job and, and the person's okay? Well, there isn't any blood test to tell you when Lyme is over. You know, there's a, even people have a clean positive test. There's no test to say I'm, I'm cured, I'm fine, I'm, I'm healthy. So it's not like other diseases where you have a good outcome, you know what it is that you're well. So it's a uh, one of those things where I might do a test to see if there's evidence of another infection in a tick, uh, but generally there's no objective, clean, clear, satisfying way to know you're fine. If you're fine, feel fine, you've had some reasonable amount of treatment, I just let it go. Do you recommend that a patient go to a doctor like you or a specialist, or can a regular internist usually handle this situation? 
Well, I find that there's an awful lot of doctors who actually treat Lyme and do a good job and more than ever before. Uh, and they're looking for Lyme, which is all important. And uh, treating uh, in a timely manner, just that there's still plenty that don't uh, look or they, they need a tick or a rash, especially when there's still too many people who, um, who as doctors, are on the sideline and not treating. So just be aware that uh, if you're sick and saying sick and the symptoms are persistent, can't find a better answer, is book a second night in line. One doctor says, no, at least get a second opinion. Dr. Cameron, thank you so much for spending this time with us. It, it is nice weather now, and as you said, more people are spending more time outside, and this is really a concern for us, and it's something that we have to be mindful of. So if you'd like to get more information about Dr. Cameron and his work, you can visit danielcameronmd.com or grab a copy of his book, Inside Lyme, an expert's guide to the science of Lyme. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, John. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.